Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Down. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from Federal Baseball on the line. After the Nationals' 4-1 win over the Cleveland Indians, they earned a split in progressive field. Dave led the way today. Uh, Steven Strasburg had his unbeaten streak snapped last time out. First loss in 21 outings going back to September 2015. 13-0 in 17 games to start uh, this season before the loss. 2-5-1 ERA, 2-9-8 walks per nine, 10.83 Ks per nine, and 114 and two-third over that stretch. Finally lost to the Dodgers, though. Four scoreless today, though, on 69 pitches to start the uh, outing, up to 76 pitches after a 12-pitch fifth. Seven uh, Ks total uh, after he added two strikeouts and a 14-pitch seventh inning. That was all for him on the day. Uh, dominant outing by Strasburg. Three hits and uh, seven innings of shutout ball. Two walks, seven Ks. 110 pitches, 71 for strikes. Uh, never really in, in any trouble at all. Just a dominant outing by him and gets back to his winning ways and proves a 14 and one on the year with the win. Yeah, I mean that's what you expect out of your aces to come out after a. Uh, difficult loss the previous day and, and then shut down the opposition and uh, calm everyone's nerves, uh, fans, coaches, managers, general managers, owners, just calm everybody's nerves down at least for seven innings anyway until uh, until you have to turn things over back over to the pen. But uh, tremendous outing from Strasburg today, like you said. Um, it, it didn't, you know, give up maybe two hard-hit balls all day. Um, you know, didn't generate huge strikeout numbers, but then late in, in you know late in his appearance, uh, you know, you know found something else and 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 got a couple of big strikeouts. So, uh, just another tremendous performance. This guy is uh, fun to watch pitch every five days, and um, hopefully this is the start of another long winning streak for him. Down to a two six eight ERA on the year after the win. Posing him on the mound today, Carlos Carrasco uh, had wins in five of his last six starts with a 116 ERA over that stretch, uh, 149, 218, 276 line against, uh, down 2 nothing after a Trey Turner single and a 38-pitch second. Though they, uh, ben Revere in particular, I think he had a 12-pitch at bat there, really ran up his pitch count early, got him up to 52 pitches after three with a 2 nothing lead. He set down 10 in a row after that. Uh, but Murphy uh, jacked a 2-2 change to put him up 3 nothing. That was in the sixth inning. Uh, they cruised from there. Basically, they added another run. Uh, Trey Turner drove in another run with an RBI double, 4 to nothing at that point. Uh, Carrasco has been on a nice run, uh, a little shaky there early, settled in nicely with the Nationals, got all they needed off of him. Yeah, Carrasco is a pretty good pitcher, and the Nets were um, kind of fortunate that, that Strasburg was so good today that they didn't have to – um, you know, that there wasn't a whole lot of panic because, uh, like you mentioned, after that Trey Turner run-scoring hit, uh, he didn't really give up that much uh, past that. So um, just a nice day from, from Turner, um, you know, drove in a bunch of runs. And, um, and and after some struggle with strikeouts, he seems to be barreling up the ball really well. He's generating a lot of contact. And, that's you know, that has been his – his MO his entire minor league career is, is generates a lot of good hard contact. Um, you know, we combine that with a good batting eye and obvious, obviously his tremendous speed. So, um, you know, it is kind of funny today. Strasburg 
um, had trouble getting. I, I guess it was Ramirez who had a couple of base hits against him, and and Carrasco had had Trey Turner who so couldn't seem to figure out. So just kind of a mm-hmm. weird day that the offense, you know, from both teams came from one guy. But um, but the Nets got better offense out of their guy. Uh, plus Daniel Murphy, what more can you say about this guy? I mean, he's just been the team's absolute MVP uh, all season long, and, and comes through with another multi-hit effort today. I think that's his 41st. Uh, multi-hit game of the season, so um, you know, just the Nets got enough offense and, and got a tremendous pitching performance today. 41st multi-hit game, uh, career high, 20th home run, setting a new career high every time he does it. I believe that was his 31st double of the year yeah, off of uh, Crockett later in the game. Uh, just really just amazing at this point. 351 average this deep into the season is just kind of absurd. Uh, Wilson Ramos right below him, an 0 for 3 day, left him at 336, but equally impressive there. Uh, just like you said, you can't say enough about Daniel Murphy. This signing, uh, as we've mentioned numerous times here, considering it was essentially their third option. I know the Nationals are never going to say that, but they did make a uh, play for uh, Ben Zobris. There was the talk of the Brandon Phillips trade, and, and when you settle for Daniel Murphy and get what you're getting out of him here, you, you really just can't ask for more than what he's done so far this season. Yeah, it's like the old uh, Rolling Stones song. You can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. And, um, you know, the, the Nats really got what they needed in Daniel Murphy. I mean, they made it a, a, a priority during the off season to um, to generate more contact. And while the Nats still do have a um, strikeout problem, specifically with players like Mike, uh, Michael Taylor and Danny Espinosa um, and, and now even Bryce Harper, um, we're seeing players like Murphy and Turner. I mean, these guys um, are contact specialists, and, and there's a little bit of copycatting going on with the way that the Kansas City Royals have been so good the last couple of years just by generating all the contact and then pressure on, on the base pads. Um, I think Mike Rizzo wanted to uh, find a little bit more of that, um, not going to the extreme that the Royals do, but, but at least – um, at least finding guys that put the bat on the ball more often, and, and, and you know you can't find any fault with what Daniel Murphy's done at all. Uh, Trey Turner, last two days, has made his uh, MLB debut in center field. He got some time in the minors there, but they throw him out there. Uh, you're Dusty Baker. You don't have that luxury of kind of uh, adding the DH to the lineup, so you're going to have Trey, uh, Jason Boris, if you want him back out there, back out in left field in the next uh four-game set coming up with the Giants in San Francisco. Is there any way, if you're Dusty Baker, you're taking Trey Turner out of the lineup at this point? Uh, Dan- Danny Espinosa is uh, in a rough stretch, 0 for 3 with 3Ks today. Uh, he had that big June, but it's kind of come back down to earth in July so far. Uh, ben Revere, as I mentioned, continues to struggle. Uh, when you're filling out that lineup card, if you're Dusty Baker, where are you penciling Trey Turner in? Because I don't think there's any way at this point you can take him out of the lineup. No, and and Espinosa is two for his last 31, and um, obviously that's not getting it done. And, and you mentioned the big June that he had, but you can't you can't you can't let your your season be be predicated on a hot three week stretch, and that's essentially what Espinosa did this season. I mean, you know, before that really hot stretch, um, he hit a couple of home runs, but but still was you know batting in the two tens, two twenties, and and on basing under 300 and. Um, and since that hot stretch, he's been even worse. It's just, um, you know, there's no contact. There's there's no uh, semblance of a game plan up there. I mean, Danny Espinosa's entire game plan when he comes up to bat is to swing really hard in hopes he hit, hope he hits a fastball. Um, and teams are not giving him as many fastballs anymore. And 
Um, you know, they saw what he did for that three-week stretch, and, and he's just been absolutely brutal. It's it's been worse than than if the Nats were 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 DHing him with one of their other pitchers because the Nats have pretty decent hitting pitchers. He's been that bad. Um, I certainly would give him a, a few days off here and let Trey Turner. Uh, move back over to short and 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 give Turner some more playing time, but but again, I've been, I've been calling for Turner to replace Espinosa since Espinosa got the job, so uh, I'm kind of barking at the wind here. I was going to say since at least last July or August, basically we've been calling for it, and to the point right. where we're old school, we're old school in this call, and we've been taken over by the <laughs> the pay your dues crew on a federal baseball comment <laughs> section. But what are you going to do? Uh, after Steve uh, was out of I, there, I, go ahead. I was going to say I will say I was surprised that uh, um, that Baker uh, DH'd Worth today and didn't give at least Ramos a day off from behind the plate uh, on the the day game after the night game. I thought that he might take advantage of that, but um, it's this is going to end up being a pretty brutal stretch for Wilson Ramos. It's hard to take his offense out of the game right now, um, but at some point you have to give the catcher the day off, and I was kind of surprised he didn't at least. Uh, give him that day off from behind the plate on the day game today. A little surprised too, yeah. But like you said, the uh, 336 average and the offense he's provided, it, it is hard to keep him out of the lineup. Uh, opposite field home run last night, just to cement that fact. And uh, as I was going to say, uh, Solis and Belial combined for the scoreless eighth after Steven Strasburg was out of there. Felipe Rivero comes on. Gives up a walk, which I have a problem with. The two singles, not as much. I mean, gets ground balls, they get through the infield sometimes. Uh, Rajai Davis and Tyler Naquin back-to-back, one-out single, uh, actually no-out singles to drive in a run there. Blake Trinan replaces them with their one-out. Yeah, I'm not looking at the top of the inning. Got an out first, and then the walk and two singles. Uh, Cleveland finally got on the board, 4-1 to one there. Blake Trinan comes on. Uh, not too surprised. It was finally a safe situation there that they didn't go to Papelbon after he's pitched, what, four of the last five games and taken losses in the last two with his third blown save of the season last night, which we'll get to shortly. But uh, Blake Trinan comes on, does what he's supposed to do, generates that uh, ground ball, start a 4-6-3 inning and, uh, game ender there. Uh, got a little shaky there. As we, I was joking when we were going on the air, I was totally not sweating it out at all there at the end. But Blake Trinan does what he's supposed to do and gets a double play to end the game there and send everyone home happy after the big loss last night. No doubt about it. Lockdown Nets bullpen. You know, I'm, I'll, you know, it was a good effort by, by Sammy Soli, so I was kind of not surprised but sort of disappointed that um, the, the Baker went match up there and brought in Belial instead of letting Salisa finish the inning. Um, I think I think that's managing scared a little bit, but um, but it's, it's a fairly typical move. But uh, um, the, the ninth inning, you know, Felipe Rivera has just got to be better. You can't walk the leadoff hitter in that situation. Um, you know, this is a guy that the Nets uh, have relied on heavily. They expect to rely on heavily. He's got a tremendous arm, but. Um, but until he gets the, this, this walk problem um, taken care of, he, he's going to continue to be a liability, and it showed again today. Um, slightly surprised since they didn't use Kelly last night that they didn't go to Sean Kelly today for the save, but um, but you can see the logic in wanting to use Blake Trinan. He generates an awful lot of ground balls and uh, was able to do so today um, to, to get the double play to get, to get out of the, the jam there and actually win the game, but um, you know, it, it, it's very difficult to play matchup baseball 
in the ninth inning when you don't have a closer that you can depend on, and that's the situation the Nats find themselves in now, um, especially with um, Aroldis Chapman off the market. Uh, you know, the, obviously any team that they're going to be dealing with now um, knows that the Nats are, are kind of dealing from a position of, I wouldn't say panic, but certainly need. So any any talks that they have in, in bringing, um, you know, a, a quote proven closer in at this point is, is going to cost them a little bit more, and, and that's unfortunate because uh, they they were looking for bullpen help anyway. Um, these last couple of implosions by Papelbon have just been tremendously poor timing uh, on top of everything else, and. Um, you know, we kind of said it last year when they made the deal for him that 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 this, the, the deal to bring in Papelbon was going to cause more headaches than it solved problems, and it continues to do so. If there was any doubt about the fact that the Nationals were in on Chapman, which I had no doubt personally. Uh, Dusty Baker told MLB.com that Anthony Castrovin, I assume that's how you pronounce his name, I've never heard it said, only read it in print. Uh, that it was disappointing they didn't get him, would have liked to have him. It makes the Cubs tougher, but it doesn't make them the victor yet. Uh, ESPN's Jason Stark, as I chronicled this morning, said the Nationals were in on Chapman to the end. Now, according to clubs talking with them, they're turning their attention to the other big-name closers out there, Andrew Miller, Wade Davis, both of whom, as you mentioned, are going to cost an arm and a leg. Uh, David Robertson of the White Sox, definitely a, a tear down from those top two guys, but another possibility Mike Rizzo was on 106.7 The Fan this morning talking to the sports junkies. He said that uh, he was disappointed that they didn't get Chapman in the end, but not as much when he saw what he described as a king's ransom that the uh, Chicago Cubs gave to the Yankees to get him. Rizzo, obviously, has has been reported just about everywhere at this point, not interested in trading uh, his top prospects like Lucas Giolito, Trey Turner, Ronaldo Lopez, or Victor Robles is pretty much the top prospect at every position there. Uh, they're going to have to give up something to get one of these closers if they want them. Uh, Pavel Bond struggles with really, even Dusty Baker said, I'm trying to find that quote as I stole here, asked how does he look last night. He said, how does he look? Well, right now he doesn't look like Pat. He doesn't look very good. Uh, got to love his honesty there and admitting the obvious, but they're in a position, like you said, where the other teams uh, – they know that they need this guy, and they need someone in the back end of the bullpen, if not to replace, at least to work alongside Papelbon and give the Nationals options in the end there. And the, after last night, you got to think the price just went up higher, and Rizzo's going to have to give up one of these prospects, if not a couple of the top prospects below that tier, if they want to get a closer to bring him in here, which it seems like they have to do unless they're going to turn to someone in the organization who I don't see right now as an option in the nine. Right. I mean, you know, we'll start, talk, we'll start with Papelbon. I mean, this is a guy that, that you know, um, I've written a couple of stories about it. Uh, Neil Greenberg and the Washington Post has written a couple of stories about it, about how just how much he has, that, um, his talents has, have eroded over the past four or five years. His velocity was down even further last night. Um, he can't hit his spots. When he, the only time that he has any effectiveness is when, he, when he's got his good control. Uh, that's becoming even more sporadic. Um, he's just very hittable, and right now that's not an option that you can send, um, you know, to to the mound in the ninth inning for a team that's supposed to be, um, you know, challenging for pennants. So they've, they've got to do something. Um, is that something overpaying for somebody else's closer? Um, is it taking on an awful lot of money like they would have to with Robertson? I think Robertson's still got $25 million for two, two more years. 
Um, that's an yep. awful lot of money for a guy that you don't consider um, plan A. So, you know, maybe maybe they can get uh, Robertson with, with, with lesser prospects if they take on all that money. But, again, you're tying up so much resource um, on one guy um, that you don't consider, you know, to be a, your first option. So it, it, they're tough pills to swallow everywhere. Um, certainly I don't think that there's anybody in-house that they can turn to. Uh, we mentioned Sean Kelly before. He's a guy that they don't like to pitch in back-to-back days because of his injury history. Uh, Blake Trinan with his – uh, still control issues, you know, you know, could be an option, but again, you know, um, he hasn't, he hasn't, you know, he's not that proven closer. He hasn't proven to be able to do it uh, consistently. Um, Ronaldo Lopez has got an awful lot of talent, but I certainly don't think they want to try to turn a, a raw rookie that's made three starts um, in AAA into a closer in a pennant race. So, you know, the Nats are between a rock and a hard place now. They rolled the dice with Papelbon. It's come up snake eyes. Um, and now they're going to be pressured into making moves that they probably didn't think that they were going to have to do this year. And um, you just hope that it doesn't cost one of the top four prospects in the organization because any one of those four players are going to be just vastly uh, more vital to a team than, than a rent-a-closer is going to be. Yeah, especially someone like Chapman. They missed out on that, but as Rizzo said, that was a two-month rental at least. Some of the other options, uh, they're at least under contract for two years. Even Miller, at a really reasonable nine million per. I just looking at yeah, the best options. Trading Miller at this point. I was, you finished my sentence for me there. Yes, I don't <laughs> see why the Yankees would. They have bet chances that they can throw in there. I guess if they do, but why you would trade Miller, I have no idea. His numbers are just absolutely ridiculous this year, and he's very affordable. So. If the Nationals aren't willing to pay an arm and a leg, I don't see why the Yankees would do that or someone else would do it for the Yankees to make them do it. But either way, Nationals are going to have to do something. It looks like 59 and 42 on the year, four with San Francisco coming up starting tomorrow night. Late night, Nats are back. Get some sleep tonight. We'll be back tomorrow probably over a 3 a.m. show if you're around. So talk to you then, sir. Sounds good. Look out, there's going to have to.